Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to the flagship podcast. We are live in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington college football playoff semifinal. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by my esteemed colleague at Horns247, the one and only Eric Henry. Eric, here we are. We got the twinkle lights of New Orleans <laughs> behind us. Um, we have been here for a couple of days. We've talked to um, the players. We've talked to Texas offensive players, Texas defensive players, Washington. Um, it's been uh, it's lived up to the hype. I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, the Texas defense kicked things off. Tavondre Sweat saying Washington's offensive line uh, is just another offensive line to him. And then a reporter said, well, they won the Joe Moore Award. And he's like, I won awards. <laughs> now they got to face us. And Michael Penix turned around, of course, the Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback for Washington saying, it's not like we're playing the 49ers or Eagles defensive line. So we got some good little spicy um, flavor to this one, which is appropriate in New Orleans for where you're going to get the best etouffee gumbo jambalaya um eric your early thoughts after a couple of days here um in new orleans leading up to this matchup on monday night well first off chip i mean as you mentioned we've been here a couple of days i actually got here the day before the longhorns in time for texas's arrival at louis armstrong international airport shortly after how was louis PM. armstrong international airport uh, it, it wasn't hopping because you know they had the entire terminal to themselves that's <laughs> so there's that is the the privilege of coming into uh the airport here for the sugar bowl right you land and you get the whole tarmac deal what i will say chip is fun is you know it is something you know you have more big time bowl game coverage experience and i do this is my first year covering the power fives but there's something nice about the tradition of getting off on the tarmac be greeted by the whole new orleans flavor right steve sarkeesian with his mardi gras beads and the entire team with their mardi gras breeds and christian jones of course the most veteran longhorn on the team the first player off of in his 10th year <laughs> seemingly in his 10th year the first longhorn off of the off of the plane waving that longhorn flag representing the burnt orange and white so yeah i think the biggest thing that i've noticed even coming in from the airport arrivals is there's an air of confidence about this team right you know this stage seemingly is not too big for them i asked steve sarkeesian you know what do you kind of do to kind of prep the team for such a, a big environment right and he said hey you know we've played in big environments we played in arlington that was a big environment playing against oklahoma so he feels his team is adequately prepped for what they'll face on monday night and just kind of going back to some of the things you 
talked about with Washington and some of the comments made by Michael Penix Jr. I know some of that's been made in my mind a little bit too much of in the sense that, hey, you know, if you're 13 and 0, you expect to be confident, right? I mean, granted, granted, the last guys I would want to provide any sort of bulletin board material would be Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. But I understand the flip side of it, which is we're 13 and 0. We arrived here at number two. We're confident, right? I just, I just honestly know that I would phrase it in the way of they're not the Eagles D-line or, you know, whoever else, because I could make the argument, you know, I'd take Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and put them on 75, 80% of NFL defensive lines, and they're instantly a better defensive line than they were without those guys. But with that being said, all in all, I think the atmosphere is really shaping up. And the big thing, Chip, in my mind, and maybe this is just me, again, my first year here uh, on the beat, but I'm really excited for, you know, this evening and Saturday. I'm looking forward to the environment of the Longhorn fans and I'm starting to see a little more of a Washington uh, representation here out there on, on in New Orleans. So looking forward to that this weekend. And yeah, you know, we got media day coming up tomorrow and Texas is practice. So really fired up for, we're going to get into the next uh, day and a half, two days leading up to the ball game. Yeah. Full disclosure. We're recording on Friday, December 29th. Um, of course the sugar bowl will be the second of the college football playoff semifinals, seven 45 p.m. Central Time on Monday night following the Rose Bowl, which wanted their traditional 2 p.m. kickoff uh, and got it. Makes no sense to me. We're playing a West Coast game ahead of a game in the Central Time Zone, but that's just because Eric and I are going to be slaving over a hot laptop into the middle of the night um, when this Sugar Bowl ends. But yeah, it's. I agree. I think there's really, if, if you were sort of comparing it to a, a a title fight in boxing, these fighters would be face-to-face, -face, you know, with confidence. I, I think Washington feels like we beat this team a year ago. Uh, Texas is like, that was a shell of ourselves. They ran the ball 18 times for 51 yards in that game. They didn't even try to establish the run. Um, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have elevated the defensive line play from where it was with two NFL players, Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers looks like a totally different player. I mean, we've seen him go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and come up huge in that 34 24 win and, and then throw for four touchdowns uh, and a, you know, personal record 400 and, you know, plus yards in the big 12 title game. So, He's now become big game hunter, um, Quinn Ewers. And, of course, this team has Adonai Mitchell, the ultimate X-Factor secret weapon. Um, he was not on this team a year ago, and he has a touchdown catch in four straight college football playoff games. I still can't believe it, Eric. When I say that, it's still, like, incredible. Like, Jatavian Sanders was like, do you know how hard it is to get to a college football playoff once? let alone catch a touchdown in a college football playoff game. And he's done it four times. It is crazy to think that, uh, and Quinn Ewers said, Hey, we got to keep the streak going. He needs a touchdown catch in his fifth college football playoff game. Of course, that will come Monday night against Washington. 
Chip, but, you know, I, I want to go back to what you talked about in terms of comparing the Alamo Bowl from last year to this year, because I did take the time to, or I shouldn't say the Alamo Bowl, but you know, this matchup with Texas versus Washington is part of me. Uh, I went to tech to Washington's uh, defensive availability with defensive coordinators, uh, Chuck Inge, and, and uh, I'm forgetting the other co-defensive coordinators. Name your apologies on that. It's uh, um, William Inge and Chuck Morrell, excuse me. But, you know, let's call a spade a spade, right? You know, while they were happy to acknowledge the fact that they did a, a reasonably good job against Texas's run game, they also acknowledged, well, you know, this one guy wasn't playing in the game, right? And that probably made a big difference by the name of Bijan Robinson, right? So they, they were quick to acknowledge the fact that, hey, as much as we want to take some credit for the performance we had against the run, you know, Bijan wasn't there and and, and almost a, in a weird kind of uh, uh, set of circumstances. Jonathan Brooks, of course, won't be there this time around when these two teams face off. But yeah, you know, again, when you take a look at this matchup, and one of the things I think that makes it so intriguing, Chip, is I, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I'm a guy, I love, I think styles make fights, right? You want to get one team's good on another team's kind of, you know, situation there, right? And I think when you have this matchup of uh, a, a really talented passing attack like Washington, and how are they going to fare against a defense that is stout against the run, but has some deficiencies, you can say, as far as Texas is secondary. It's not saying that they've been a bad secondary this year, but you have an intriguing storyline with Derek Williams Jr. missing the first half, Jade Barron potentially getting some time at safety, and then you flip it around and you take a look at, you know, where, where Texas is, right? There's an offense that more or less Texas has met its average each game. In nine games this year, Texas has scored between 30 and 40 points, which kind of leads to its scoring average of 37 points per game. You know, Texas is going to score right around between 35 and 38 points per game. And it's such a prolific passing offense, especially over the past two weeks, Chip. And we can talk about this a little bit, but what I wrote about for the site today, as far as my offensive storyline, offensive takeaways, where does this offense kind of feel? You know, by the time this ball will be kicked off, it'll be 31 days since the Longhorns last took the field. And Chip, in Texas's last two outings, they put up 1,190 yards of total offense, right? It's a lot of offense for two games. I asked Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, is there part of you guys that kind of wishes you could have rolled right into the bowl week after that? And they said, yeah, you know, in the back of your head, you, we're playing such good football. We kind of wish that we could have rolled into the week. But So they probably would have had Worthy available for that game. That is a very good point, if – that game was played x probably wouldn't have been there right you know how and that's probably far out of his mind <laughs> at this point right although he was one of the players who mentioned he would have so maybe who knows maybe x would have but maybe he knows something we don't but that's i think it's a fair point on, on on your part but the thing that i think is again really interesting is this offense was finally chip finally seemed to be firing on all cylinders even without jonathan brooks hitting its stride so where do they kind of fall after this long layoff and going against a washington secondary that i believe is what 116th 118th i don't have the exact number on me as far as pass defense not one of the better pass secondaries or pass defensive secondaries in the nation so you're getting some nice matchups here which i think is going to lead to a really intriguing matchup come monday night and again styles make fights so we'll see how this one shapes up well, all I know is Elijah Jackson, his number is 25. Wherever he lines up, I'm going at him um, because it it was uh, it, there were a lot of teams that had a lot of success throwing at Elijah Jackson, uh, the Washington defensive back. I, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the you know, Quinn Ewers said we've been throwing. I think they look at it like we played some of our best football in our last two games. Now we know we can play some of our best football. Um, and so they 
you know, I think the heightened concentration level because of the atmosphere, the what's at stake, I truly hope we're going to get the best of both of these teams so that we get an epic matchup. I think this is um, the more interesting, sorry, Alabama and Michigan, uh, intriguing matchup because of the fact that you've got these high-flying, explosive uh, receivers who can turn any play, a screen, into a 60-yard touchdown. Um, obviously, the defenses want no part of that, but um, they're very, very evenly matched. Um, you know, and like you said, styles make fights. Washington, number one pass offense in college football against a pass defense that had struggles. Granted, most of those struggles came after they were leading by 20 points against Houston, um, Kansas State, and TCU. So, um, you know, I just think it's going to be um, a great matchup. And one thing, you know, that I think is – I'm going to be a broken record on this. Um, Texas obviously needs to get pressure on Michael Penix. There's a difference between pressure and blitz. Absolutely. Pressure is rushing three or four and getting there and, and getting him off his spot. Blitz, you're bringing an extra man. Michael Penix is very good against the blitz. He's it, he, he knows where his hot route is. He gets the ball out. Blitzing is not a good idea. If you can get pressure rushing three or four, his completion percentage drops 43%. To 43%. That is a game changer. That's where he's, you know, he, I think he's thrown um, four touchdowns, three interceptions. You got it. Against pressure. And I'll, I'll take the three interceptions in that equation. Um, and so this is where the Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, um, Texas, one of the top quarterback pressure teams in college football, Eric, that's got to show up in this game for Texas to get where they want to go. Chip, it's again, I'm really glad you brought that up because I talked about that a little bit in my defensive recap a day ago as far as, you know, the need to get home with four. I'm going to come back in a second. I want to further illustrate the point that you just made. I'm taking a look at the numbers here on Pro Football Focus. And as you mentioned, under pressure, Michael Penix, 121 dropbacks, only completing 43% of his passes, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Even his yards per attempt comes down dramatically when he's under pressure. When blitzed, that number, 169 dropbacks, still completing just a shade under 60% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. You can't ask for much better than that chip from a quarterback who's being blitzed, right? Because you have to be able to read the blitz and, and kind of pick up things and get the ball in his hands quickly in the 13 touchdowns. That's an incredible number. So to your point, yes, there's a big difference between pressure, which when I spoke with Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Baron Sorrell, of course, the natural confidence that particularly Sweat and Murphy had talking about, hey, we'll see Monday night and we just want to go out there and play football and do our job. And, you know, again, they're, they're not going to buy too much into, you know, really getting outside of the norm and, and being phased by anything. And not to say Barron was phased per se, but Barron gave a little bit of an extended answer saying that, yeah, you know, we, we are cognizant of the fact that we're facing a guy in Michael Penix who is, is might be the best quarterback we're going to face this year, Chip. And I really, again, look back at that Oklahoma game. While granted, Washington is not necessarily as much of an up-tempo team as Oklahoma is. Teams, Chip, we've seen it this year, where teams one way or another will say, hey, this is our game plan. 
every other Saturday. Texas is here. Well, we got to switch it up a little bit, right? Well, the alarm bells went off when Ryan Grubb was asked about how do you deal with a guy like Tavondre Sweat who's going to outweigh your center by nearly 100 pounds. And he said, we got to wear him out. We got to make sure there's bodies on him all the time. And we got to move him around. And we've got to make him tired. And that says tempo. I yeah. mean, they'll roll the pocket. Sure. They'll they'll move Michael Penix to make Devondre Sweat have to go running after him. But tempo, uh, I'm sure they watched the Oklahoma game. And he mentioned he's not in there every play. And, and if they can get into a tempo situation, maybe catch Devondre Sweat out of the game, get into tempo where no one's substituting, they get some advantages there. Michael Penix is a sixth-year quarterback. This guy, everything's in slow motion to him, Eric. There's there's not much he hasn't seen at this point. Absolutely. And again, with in terms of what Washington may look to do and talking about a veteran and Michael Penix, he's a guy who's not going to get rattled out there. He's not going to just escape the pocket and start running around. You know, I, I'll analogize it, even though – Jason Bean is a veteran quarterback. You know, he's not nearly the, the passer that Michael Penix is, right? Jason Bean's his default is, all right, it's time to escape. I'm going to go out this way, right? We're not going to see it from Michael Penix. He's going to look to step up in the pocket, try to deliver the ball. But back to your point, as far as some of the, the substitution game and that, you know, cat and mouse game between coordinators and play callers, I think if, if, you know, you can get Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy out of the game in a package for an extended set, that's when Dylan Johnson becomes a factor, right? He's a 1,200-yard rusher. He's a guy who is capable as well. You know, they're not going to get it done with T. Sweat and Murphy inside. But if you can catch him in a scenario where those guys are off the field, that's maybe where you can sprinkle in a little bit of him as well. So, again, really interested to see how that happens. But to your point, just to further illustrate it, pressure versus blitz, going to be a big factor and, and be a big factor in this game on Monday. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at the fact that um, – you know, Texas uh, rotates. Look, I'm, I'm okay with Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton being in this game. Alfred Collins is the third um, third on the team in, in quarterback pressures. So he's he's elevated his game. I still think he needs to come back for another year. But, um, I mean, Texas, this is why Texas is in this position because they have the kind of depth on the defensive line and talent on the defensive line especially the interior defensive line that championship teams have. You, you look at Georgia, the last two national championships. Well, it's because they had Jalen Carter and Wyatt and Davis. And those guys are all first round picks playing, you know, across the NFL. Um, when Clemson won in 16 and 18, you know, they had Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. I mean, it's, you got to have quarterback play, but, the teams with that stout interior defensive line, Alabama, Quinnen Williams, Deron Payne. Um, this is a special group. And, Eric, they need to play like it. They need to play like it Monday night for Texas to win this game because um, most teams you make one-dimensional, you take away their running game, it's panic time because, you know, they just don't want to be in a predictable situation where he's dropping back and throwing. Michael Penix is totally comfortable in that environment with that situation. So it's going to be a great chess match, great chess match with Pete Kwiatkowski, former Washington defensive coordinator, going up against um, his old team with a chance to 
you know, elevate and take this uh, Texas team, help take this Texas team to a national championship being played in Houston for crying out loud. I mean, this, the opportunities in front of the Longhorns right now are, uh, are amazing. And Chip, I feel like we've got to acknowledge the, you know, obvious factor and why Michael Penix would feel very comfortable getting in that type of game where he's looking to, you know, throw the ball around and play pitch and catch, right? You got two outstanding receivers and Jalen Polk and Chip. Have we settled on a pronunciation for Rome Odunze? I don't know if we've settled on a pronunciation just yet. Odunze. 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 All right. I've heard it almost four different ways this week, but we're going to go with Odunze. But yeah, back to the to the point. I mean, you have to feel comfortable in terms of playing that type of ball game, and I think it's going to be really interesting, Chip. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast. What do you feel comfortable with a guy like Malik uh, almost said Malik Murphy. There we go. Uh, Manny Muhammad, Malik Muhammad. Where do you feel comfortable with a guy like him out there? Right. We know he's an aggressive guy. He's a young guy, definitely going to make his plays. But in my mind, you know, I think the obvious matchup is, is Ryan Watts on Rome or Dunze. And we'll see, you know, how that kind of trickles from there as far as guys shifting. But, you know, can Manny Muhammad hold his own against a guy in Jalen Polk who's another sizable guy in 6'2, you know, about 205, someone who can get downfield really well? I think the big thing, Chip, in my mind that I, I don't. It, to me, it just doesn't feel like it gets in Texas's favor is those 50-50 balls. I mean, guys like Odunze and, and Polk, especially against you going in a secondary that, listen, and I wrote about this earlier this week, I know that, you know, Jaron Thompson, statistically by the advanced metric, advanced metrics, excuse me, has been uh, Texas's best coverage safety. But there's no denying, Chip, that it, that's, it's in a reduced role. And I, it almost feels, you know, almost off to call 520-something snaps a reduced role. But when you compare that, to the 861 snaps he played last year in 13 games. There's no doubt that Jaron's been selectively used and that maybe has been allowed him to play to his strengths. Obviously, the advanced metrics show, Chip, that he's been bad as a tackler, right? So that probably plays well in terms of his coverage. But with that being said, you know, Michael Taft, Keaton Crawford, God bless them. They've had their moments this year, but I don't think we really want to get into, you know, a shootout with those guys back there as far as, you know, 50-50 balls. Uh, in my mind, you know, it's just really interesting. I think it puts a lot of pressure on, you know, a guy like Ryan Watts or Manny Muhammad to see what they can do against, you know, two of the premier receivers, not only in the Pac-12, but the, the entire nation. But just to kind of further illustrate that point, Chip, it's guys like that, why you have to feel comfortable if you're a Washington fan and why Michael Penix would feel comfortable saying, hey, that's fine. Make us one dimensional. I got those two guys. I'm gonna take my chances. Well, I've I've been a broken record on this too, and I was very excited when Jaron Thompson said, "Look, our our best chance, and the way we're built is to pressure the quarterback and play tight coverage. Tight coverage. Texas got into trouble in in their when they had the 20 point leads against Houston, K State, TCU, when they started to play off coverage, try to keep things in front of them." That's not who this team is. I'll take my chances with Manny Muhammad up on press coverage against um, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Ryan Watts, Gavin Holmes, all of them. They're, they're all press guys. They like to press. So I'm going to die on my shield, not on my knees in sure. this game. And I'm going out with my guys playing the way they like to play. Um, I you've, Your only hope. And, you know, we've talked to some people – uh, who cover Washington. We were talking to the Washington sideline reporter the other day, and he said not many teams have pressed Washington's receivers, and that's your only hope. I mean, Michael Penix gets the ball out so fast. I mean, when the Patriots beat the greatest show on turf, they were physical with the receivers, and that's what Texas has to try to do. I would have been preaching that 
all through these 15 bowl practices because you give free releases to Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk, you're done. You're cooked. So I'm I'm hoping that when Jaron Thompson said we're built to pressure the quarterback and play tight coverage, um, that that's what we're going to see. And Chip, can I give you one more example, of an NFL example of, you know, a team getting home with four and pressuring seemingly an offense that had, you know, wide receivers all over the place, the, the Giants, Giants and Patriots Super Bowl, yeah. right? There you go, right? It's another 18 win Patriots. There you go. That team that was one win away from perfection, right? I guess the parallels are there. Another team looking for perfection, Chip. So just to further illustrate that point. Yeah, I, I that's going to be such a huge factor in this game. Um, okay. We've talked about the Texas offense against the Washington defense. We've talked about um, how the Texas defense is going to attack the Washington offense. The game within the game, Eric, is special teams. And, you know, it's interesting to me, Roma Dunze has only returned two punts this season, but one of them was an 83-yard return for a touchdown. Um, does Washington put Roma Dunze back there to return punts we know Xavier Worthy is going to be back there to return punts. Do you punt to either one of them if they're back there? Um, this is one of the little side notes in the game that I'm really interested to see how that plays out. No, Chip, there's no doubt in my mind. And listen, if, if we're talking special teams and specificity, punters, I'm going to take my chances with Ryan Sanborn, someone who, okay, he's had, you know, a rare, you know, game where, all right, you know, maybe you think he's not getting all of it. But for the most part, the guy was averaging 47, 46, 45 yards a kick throughout the entire season. I'm going to take my chances. Now, you asked the question, does Washington put Romo Dunze back there? I say, why not? This is the, the circumstance in which you do allow a guy like that, allow your playmaker, allow your most dynamic athlete to get back there in the return game. Is Washington going to kick to Xavier Worthy? I, 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 I wouldn't say that's part of the game plan, but I'll tell you this. I mean, chip and i'll put you in the form of a question if texas can get washington it's a big if because again we're talking a very dynamic offense but if they can get them backed up on their side of the field and they're punting from inside the 20 can you afford to punt away from him i mean and and what do you take your chances there do you say hey we're going to aim for the sideline and maybe take a net 25 30 yard gain or versus a guy like xavier worthy who's averaging 14 yards a return and in my mind I, it's not even about necessarily his average. It's the worst case scenario, right? He can, we all know what he can do, you know, get the ball in his hands, one shot, 25, 30 yards plus into the end zone. I, I think it's that type of field position game that, you know, if you're Kalen DeBoer, you got to ask yourself, what is the best case scenario? But in my mind, yeah, this is a game that you got to expect all your playmakers to be back there. And I would expect Romo Dinze to be back there for, for the Huskies in the punt return game. Yeah. Yeah. And those could be explosive uh, plays in this game. Mm -hmm. Um, now when we look at the field goal kickers, Grady gross for Washington, his long this season is 47 yards. He did kick a game winner to beat Washington state from 42 yards. That was the game in which Washington converted a fourth and one from their own 29 with a minute and 11 seconds left in the game tied 21, 21. Uh, they gave the ball to Roma Dunze on a reverse. He picked up 23 yards. Um, it's one of the plays of the year for the Cougs. And um, and it it was their probably their, well, I don't want to say their biggest near-death experience because they had a they few. Had a few. Yep. Um, but that was, so Grady Gross, they got Grady Gross in position. He kicks the 42-yarder to win the game with no time left. He's hit 
roughly the same number um, or missed, sorry, missed roughly the same number of field goals as Bert Auburn. Auburn's hit 19 of his last 20. He has a 54 yarder. They're kicking in the Superdome, Eric. Um, I like Bert Auburn. I mean, the fact that he's made some 50 plus field goals, um, you know, do they let Grady Gross try from 50 or longer because he's in a dome and not out in rainy Husky Stadium? Um, something to keep an eye on because, look, Vegas says, I think Texas is down to a three and a half point favorite now. Um, that line's been coming down. But when we're talking about a field goal game, got to talk about the field goal kickers. Chip, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say yes. You talk about Grady Gross and, and and what he's been this year, but he's kicking in a, an environment in Husky Stadium that you know. Listen, it, it's it certainly is not the Superdome, not a controlled environment. It's not going to be a nice 68, 67 degrees like it will be inside. No elements at all. So yeah, maybe you take a guy like that and say, hey here are the elements, you know, you're going to be kicking in, in, in perfect environment and just take a look at some of the big 12 environments as well. I'm just going to be big 12 pack 12 environments. It, it, it's not necessarily, you know, ideal for kickers. So absolutely. Now come bring back to Texas. I'm glad you mentioned that Bert Auburn. I mean, the guy's been money ever since he had that little blip where he went three of six in the, you know, the, the early part of the year, he's been consistent all the way through. You get no worries about Bert Auburn, even his range pushing out as well. So I think this environment in terms of, the kicking game certainly benefits both kickers. Maybe you get a little bit more out of them, an extra three, four, five yards than you would normally because the environments are, are so, you know, in their favor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other kind of amazing numbers and probably the reason that um, Washington won the Joe Moore award uh, for the best offensive line in college football is the fact that they've only given up 11 sacks for the season Penix uh, has only been sacked 10 times. So his offensive lineman said, you know, Penix takes us out to dinner. He's given us flight vouchers for round trip flights anywhere. Um, and this is something that uh, I just think is an astounding um, number. I mean, Texas has given up, um, you know, what, 26 sacks this season. Penix has been sacked 10 times. So that is, uh, that's something to keep in mind. It's tough to get to this guy because he gets the ball out so quick. They move him. Um, they do a really good job. Remember Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator at Washington turned down Nick Saban, uh, to be Saban's offensive coordinator this season. So Saban went and hired Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, but Ryan Grubb is the truth. And, uh, and Kalen DeBoer, you know, we talked about the, the coaching experience. Um, Texas has um, six coaches who've either coached or played uh, in a college football playoff or national championship game. Uh, five have won a national championship. Obviously, Sark, Jeff Banks, Kyle Flood, uh, and AJ Milwe won the national championship at Alabama in 2020. Bo Davis has won multiple national championships. Uh, both at Alabama and LSU um, when he was with Nick Saban back in 2003. So um, Kalen DeBoer and his staff dominated Division II at Sioux Falls. DeBoer won three national championships there. A lot of his staff, um, they were with him at that point. 
before he moved on and ultimately, you know, became the head coach at Fresno State and then at Washington. So when you look at that, um, people will say, oh, well, Texas has the clear coaching advantage. Now, listen, national championships are hard to win. And those are the 16 team brackets right. in, in Division Two that Kalen DeBoer had to navigate. So um, and DeBoer is amazing. I mean, 11 and 0 in one score games in two years at Washington, nine and zero against AP top 25 teams. So um, DeBoer is, he is the man on fire right now. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, coaching check marks, this one's, this one's, it might be a, a push um, because a lot of people feel like Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb call, um, you know, play, you know, call plays on offense. Uh, as well as Steve Sarkeesian. Now, Sarkeesian is seen as is probably the best play caller in college football. Eric, your thoughts? In terms of a, a coaching matchup, here's the thing that I think, and you can't underscore this enough in my mind, Chip. We can go across the board as far as, you know, hey, FBS versus Division Two. I think the circumstances, I think the environments are really what matter, Chip. You know, it, it doesn't, Chip, when you've got to make that decision to, you know, whatever it is, it's go for it on third down, go for it on fourth down, or, you know, certain, just the natural decisions that you make throughout the ball game. Those things don't change regardless of the level. And in my mind, there is something to the level of success that Kalen DeBoer and his staff have had. Now, what I do think is an added element is doing it in front of a nationally televised audience in a spotlight game like the Sugar Bowl. In my mind, that is a big thing. So all in all, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that Texas has an advantage. However, it's going to be interesting to see how these things play out come Monday night. All right. We're getting a lot of uh, guests here in uh, our sugar bowl uh, gathering room. So we will get to take it or leave it folks. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the flagship podcast. We're at the Sugar Bowl previewing the second college football playoff semifinal um, in the Sugar Bowl, Texas and Washington. Eric, it is time for Take It or Leave It. Are you ready? I'm ready, CB. Okay, who's going first this week? I will go first this week. And as, of course, we mentioned, we've been scoring these, but nothing to score from our episode pre-Christmas because they all were questions related to the Sugar Bowl. So we'll come back next week and have some things to score. We can see who's keeping track. Chip, I will lead off. Uh, the Longhorns will meet their season average on the ground, 189 yards rushing against this Washington defense. Take it or leave it, Chip. Oh, wow. 
you know, I could see this game being a, a situation where Texas runs for 158, 164, maybe runs 35 times for for that total uh, and still wins the game. Now, if they if they meet the average, Texas will have won this game probably comfortably in my mind. So I'm going to leave this. I'm going to say Texas comes in just under 189 yards rushing. Um, Eric, how about you? Chip, I'm going to take it. I, I really like the attitude of this Texas offensive line. I spoke with Christian Jones and we said, hey, you know, Joe Moore award winner. He's kind of laughed a little bit. He's like, yep, you know, because if you heard Christian Jones and any of the guys talk about it during the season, that's a war that they were gunning for, right? I think they're going to be out to show who is the best offensive line in the nation. And listen, C.J. Baxter with an entire month to kind of get his legs under himself. He's now got game film to go back and look at and say, what can I do differently from my time as a starter? And, of course, some of the emerging backs and Jaden Blue and others. I'm going to take it, Chip. Okay. All right. Next one. You are up, sir. I'm up. Texas holds Michael Penix to no more than two touchdown passes in the Sugar Bowl. Take it or leave it. This one I am leaving. Uh, I will get to our predictions in a minute, but I do think Michael Penix. I'm sensing a shootout from my man, Eric Henry. We are, we'll get to predictions in a minute, but I do think Michael Penix will have more than two. Again, it's just tough when you're missing your best all, all around safety in Derek Williams Jr. for the first half. And Chip, in eight ball games this year, Washington has scored at least 21 points or more. So, I mean, it's just very hard, despite the fact that they haven't faced a defense like Texas. It's hard to see that an offense that has performed so well is going to find a way to just, you know, not be able to reach certain averages. So I do think Michael Penix and company, those guys, they will find the end zone through the air more than two times. Okay. Um, I, I am, I think he will throw for two touchdowns. He threw for two touchdowns in the Alamo bowl last year. Um, he also threw an interception, Jaron Thompson, uh, kudos to Jaron Thompson. That was early in the game too. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I think Michael Penix throws for two touchdowns in this game. So I will take it. All right. Last one here on the board. We're going to come back to one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So I think it's still pertinent, right? We're on Sugar Bowl week, so why not? Washington, being the third most penalized team in the nation, will play a factor in the Sugar Bowl. Take it or leave it, Chip. You know, they were penalized for more than 100 yards in three different games this season. You are who you are. I, I, I'm going to take this. I think the penalties will be an issue. Um, they have a preponderance of defensive penalties. They have 17 pass interference penalties. Um, Jabbar Muhammad, their best corner, leads the team in defensive pass interference. He's a very physical, handsy corner, but Elijah Jackson has – some pass interference penalties as well. So I'm going to take this, Eric. How about you? I'm going to take it. I'm going to stick with the same answer I gave for many of the same reasons I gave the time before. Chip, if these were you know pre-snap penalties or things that you can kind of be like, guys, let's settle in, coach them out of your team, that's one thing. But you are who you are when you have those defensive holdings, defensive pass interference. It's one thing, again, to think about, right? Don't hold. Don't, don't, don't pass. But when you're going against Xavier Worthy downfield or A.D. Mitchell downfield, you're going to do what you've been doing all year. So I'm taking it. I, I, I think that that will play a factor, Chip, as we get to prediction time. Prediction time. All right. Who's going first? You go. You, I'll let you lead off. All right. I'm going first. 
there is a part of me that wants to pick um, Texas to win this game in a shootout, but I am going to give the defenses a little more credit uh, than that. I do think this is going to be a back and forth game. I could see Washington uh, getting the lead early, uh, Texas maybe trailing at halftime. Uh, but I do think that we will see Texas solve the riddle. I think it could come down to a Bird Auburn field goal, uh, which I'm comfortable with. He kicked the game winner against Kansas State. Uh, I'm going to take Texas 30 to 27 in this game. Eric? All right. We're talking about a Washington team that's allowed on average 23.6 points per ball game. Yes, we understand what Texas has been throughout the game, throughout the season. However, I got to give a little more credit to Michael Penix Jr. and Washington's offense. In my mind, I see this one coming somewhere in the realm chip of Texas 38, getting right around their season average, Washington 31. So that's the prediction here. Both of us have the Longhorns and to play for a national championship, CB. All right. Hey, kids, are you ready? Are you ready? College football playoff, Texas, Washington. The season that, uh, well, could end in Houston, depending on how well the Longhorns play on Monday night. Um, thanks so much for listening and tuning in to the flagship podcast from New Orleans for Eric Henry. I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith and happy new year. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.